God has, in Sager's life, shown himself to be so much bigger and more good than many of the thoughts and ideas he had. And that's really what I'm going to continue to talk about this morning. Uh, The title of this message is Too Small a Thing. And we're talking about how often our view of God is too small, and then our view of ourselves and the things he's calling us into are often too small. I have had the privilege for most of my adult life I've been a campus minister and a church planner and have had the privilege of, of raising funds to support the ministry that God's called us to, my wife and I too. And I've got a lot of friends that have, that have been in the same situation, that have, that have met with lots of people and had a financial need to say, to do this ministry, we need these funds. And one of my friends one time had a, a project he was doing, and they needed, needed $20,000 to undertake this ministry project. And so he was meeting with different people, sharing this need, and asking if people's hearts would be touched to say, yeah, we want to give X dollars towards this. And things were, you know, they were making a little incremental progress, but, you know, getting quite a few, he was getting quite a few no's and a little bit discouraged. And he had this meeting with a businessman, and he knew this man was wealthy. And so he thought, what should, how much should I ask him for? And so whenever I've been in this situation, too, your, your heart starts racing, like, oh, man, am I going to ask? How much should I ask for? And he just, he thought, man, I'm going to, I feel like maybe I could ask him for $10,000. That's that's crazy. That's a lot of money. But this thought came in, okay, I think I could ask him for $10,000. So he did this whole presentation. At the end of the presentation, he asked the businessman for $10,000. And the businessman immediately pulled out his checkbook and said, hey, as soon as we set up this appointment, I knew that whatever you asked me for, I was going to give you. And he was like, oh, great, I asked him for 10000 But why didn't I ask him for 20000 It would have been, man, he was ready to give. But in my mind, what was too big of a thing to ask wasn't really too big. There were more resources, more available, that if I was just ready to believe it and to ask. And so often, that's the way it is with, with God, with us. And, you know, not so far, we're not just talking about money here, but all of life and his calling and promises and what he's leading us into. I want to read our passage today. It's from Isaiah chapter 49. uh, We're going to read the first seven verses. I'm just going to read through this. I I love the book of Isaiah. It's really a a microcosm of of all of Scripture. The last several chapters of Isaiah are many of God's promises for his people, promises that would be fulfilled in Jesus, the Messiah, the descriptions of his kingdom, and the blessing that would come to God's people and to the world. And this, this passage has just been in my my mind, all summer. And in fact, I talked about it at the very beginning of the summer, but I just want to come back to it today to, to, to look at it a little more detailed. Isaiah 49, verse 1. And let's just, uh, let's just open up our hearts to hear what God has to say to us this morning. God says, Listen to me, you islands. Hear this, you distant nations. In other words, what I'm saying applies to the whole world. People that may seem, feel like they're far away from God or far away from God's people. But this is to everybody. Before I was born, the Lord called me. From my mother's womb, he has spoken my name. And the obvious question that comes to mind when I read this is, oh, who is, who is speaking here? Who is this person that says that God called me before I was born? He, he spoke my name Be from, my, from my mother's womb. And we go on a little bit later, we're going to see that this is not just speaking about Isaiah the prophet. It's, 
It's something that is fulfilled in Jesus for all the followers of Jesus. This is a truth that everyone who God calls and is brought into his family, there is a sense of destiny and purpose, that a sense that, man, I was made for something more. I was just in the last week, I was, I was laying in bed next to my seven-year-old son before he went to sleep, and, and just kind of out of the blue, he said, hey, Dad, I just, I just have this feeling sometimes, like, like I was made for something really important. Like, there's something really big that God has for me. And I was like, you know, as a dad, you're like, yeah, that's so true. <laughs> yeah. And, but I was like, you know, yeah, that's, you know, Ian, you know what, I, I, when I was a boy, I had that same feeling. And there's, that is a, a quality of God's children. That even before we're God's children, that if you have a sense of, man, there's something important for my life, that is... The, the whispering and the drawing of God speaking to you, saying, yes, you were made for more. It goes on in verse 2, and we read, He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. And I can say, I can say a lot about this, but it's talking about, hey, so God's going to give you the words to speak. Arrows in the Bible oftentimes speak about mission and God launching arrows into his battle, into his mission in the world. And it's, so it's like, yes, you're, you're, you're a prepared arrow for the purposes of God. But it's interesting that a couple of the words there are, are hidden. It says, I was in the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He concealed me in his quiver. One of the most challenging things about being a Christian is you have such a sense of destiny and man, my life was made for something great. But yet, I feel so hidden. I feel like, where, if that's true, where is it? And that's what God does with his arrows. He, he doesn't launch them immediately. There's a, there's a time of concealing us and hiding us. And maybe we would, it's in his timing, and maybe we're not ready, but there's something even in that concealing that it's hidden in his hand. It's close to him where God brings us. And it also says he made me into a polished arrow. I'm like, oh yeah, that's cool. That's like a gleaming, smooth arrow. That's awesome. I want to be like that arrow. You think about, wait a minute. How does an arrow get polished? You take some sandpaper. Or maybe start off with some some saws. And you cut off all the extra stuff that keeps it from being straight and smooth. And you fashion it into something that is straight and true and smooth. And you're like... Yeah, polished arrow is great, but the process of getting polished, it stinks. It's painful. And I was thinking, I was, we were worshiping, I don't know what made me think about it, but I was like, you know, I feel like my life is more like a tree branch that's supposed to be an arrow, but I got all these other like branches coming off of it. And it's like, if you try to shoot that arrow right now, it's a disaster. And it's just like taking something from my backyard and with all sorts of leaves and branches and twigs going every which direction. And oh, it was when we were singing, I need a miracle. I was like, yeah, to take that branch that I am and start off as, it, I need a miracle to make that into a straight arrow. And so it is the miraculous working of God, but it's also the, the fashioning and shaping and circumstances that are painful, that are difficult. P- relationships with people that annoy the heck out of us. We're like, oh, oftentimes it's in those places where our soul is the most in pain that God is doing the greatest polishing and fashioning of sending us into his purpose for us. So he says that. He says in verse 3, He said to me, You are my servant. 
Israel, in whom I will display my splendor. Israel was the people of God in the Old Testament. But it's throughout, it really speaks to all of God's people. It's fulfilled in the church in the New Testament. So he's speaking to, to all of us who he's called. Verse 4, But I said I've labored in vain. I've spent my strength for nothing at all. Anyone besides me ever feel that way? I, I had a tiring week this week. My Reagan's been gone, and it's, it's kind of got to me at the end of the week. She's been out of town and had a few more responsibilities. And it's like, man, I'm like working hard, and what is being accomplished? I'm just getting tired. And a lot of times that's how we feel. It's like, man, God, I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to be faithful. But where are the results? Where, where's, where are the consequences? I, we, we, we feel that way so often. But then he goes on and, and says, Yet what is due me is in the Lord's hand, and my reward is with my God. I just I love that attitude of faith. Saying, you know, I'm not seeing it yet, but yet I'm trusting God. He is a good rewarder. He is doing something. He's going to come through. In verse 5, And now the Lord says, He who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to himself, and gather Israel to himself, for I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has been my strength. He says, well, here's our, our main theme today. He says, it is too small a thing. Everyone say that. Too small a thing. It is too small a thing. The things that we have set up in our mind so often, as this is, this is, what, this is where I will find life. This is where I'll find fulfillment. Maybe if I just had the right boyfriend or the right girlfriend or success in my life or my job or if I got more recognition, God says, no, that's too small a thing. That's too small a thing. I've got something more. I've got something bigger. It's too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. And it's interesting that he's not even saying that the thing, like the things I said, that are maybe idols, like, I, like Sagi was talking about, like idols are false images of God, and those are too small a thing. That's, that's the problem with sin, is that sin hurts us. The essence of sin is, is missing the mark. It's falling short of the glory of God. It's, it's living a life less than what we were meant for. And that's too small a thing. But in this case, he's not talking about sinful things. It's like, man, he has a really good desire that this time in history, all throughout the Old Testament, the people of Israel were would fall away from God and not be faithful. And, and he's saying, you know, you thought that your mission was to bring people back to me and restore them. And man, that's a good thing. That's, that's something God is in. God has called you to be a part of bringing his people back to be faithful to him. And you've seen that and you've understood that and you've accepted it as your calling. But he's saying, but, but you haven't seen enough. That's just part of the picture, but that is not the full picture of what I want to do. And that's true for all of us. And no matter how much we've seen of what God wants to do through our lives, it's too small a thing. If we could see the bigness and the vastness of his purpose and what he's doing and involving us, it's so much more. He goes on, he says, I will also make you a light for the Gentiles. That would mean all, not just the Jewish people, but all the nations of the world. If you're part of God's people, you're called to be a part of bringing God's light to the nations, to the whole world. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. And I mean, think about the, the initial audience who heard this. 
they were in a time where Israel was being very unfaithful and experiencing judgment and consequences for their unfaithfulness. And God's message to them is, hey, it's too small a thing. Just the thing that you're not seeing yet, that's too small a thing to set your mind on. But I want you to raise your expectation for something even more. And so often that's, that's true for us. Like the thing that we feel like, man, if I could just beat this bad habit, I keep falling to this temptation, I've got this issue in my life, and like, I can't get past it. And we, like, we become obsessed about that issue. And we think that the way to overcome that issue is to immerse ourselves in it and focus on it and try so hard to, to get past it. But God says, no. It's not by focusing on that, but it's by raising your vision to something bigger. Raising your vi- vision to, no, see, I am bringing my kingdom to the whole world. I am changing the whole world. And as you see that, it's going to take care of everything else, too. Just going to read one more verse here. Verse 7. This is what the Lord says. The Redeemer and the Holy One of Israel, to him who is despised and abhorred by the nation, to the servant of rulers, kings will see you and stand up. Princes will see and bow down. Because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. This, again, it's a picture. Man, you felt despised. You felt rejected. But you're actually going to be one before whom leaders of the world listen to what you have to say and want what is in you because it's from God. And this is really fulfilled in Christ. I mean, this definitely describes the Messiah and his, his suffering and his victory at the cross, the rejection by people. But it also applies to all of God's people that God wants to bring something greater through our lives, even as, as Saga was talking about. And so I just want to break this down. If you have your handout, if you're taking notes, um, it's a couple, this, this theme of it's too small a thing. What does that mean? Well, two things. It means that the, thing, the things that God has for us, the things that God has for you, are bigger than what you imagine. What God has for you is bigger than what you imagine. In 1 Corinthians 2.9, Scripture talks about this, and it says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Man, that's, that's incredible. Like, nothing we, nobody has ever come close to conceiving the good things that God has for his people. That's so great. That's so awesome. The, I was reading a little bit this week about the great um, missionary, uh, William Carey, who went to India and brought the gospel there before, before much had, all ha- had happened as far as, as the message of the gospel coming to that nation. And he, he got a hold of this, and one of his famous sayings was, was, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. That when you see that, man, God has something more, it, expect great things, and then attempt great things. And when you look at the story of William Carey's life, it's phenomenal how he lived that out. He went to, to India when, when people really didn't, he discouraged him in that attempt, many told him he shouldn't, um, but he went, he, he started the first elementary school for children, where it was available, where, where education became available. Before that, it was just only the very few children of the, the wealthiest caste, but he made education available for everybody, boys and girls. Um, he translated the Bible, not just into one language, but seven languages. Like, wow, talk about attempting great things for God. Learn seven languages, and he actually learned a bunch more languages 
and translate the Bible into seven languages. That's, that's phenomenal. He also translated Hindu classics into English while he was at it, too, just so that people could understand that culture more. He opened a theological university. He stood against the caste system. He would, people who would, who would become believers in Jesus from different castes, he led them to get married to one another, which was just radical. Um, he stood up against uh, sati, which was where when a, when a widow, when a, a husband would die, the widow would be burned on the grave. And he stood up against that, and, and that ended up being abolished you know, through his life. And saw a great transformation happen in a nation because he expected great things for God and attempted great things for God. And so, man, God wants us to see that the things he has for our life, they're bigger than we can imagine. And he wants us to dream no small dreams for him. The second part of this is, is really interesting. The things that God has for us are not only bigger than we imagine, but they're different than we imagine. When I was 17, I had really figured out what my life was supposed to look like really well. I had a vision for my life that really, and I, and I was a Christian, and I had a sense of calling and a sense of God's calling in my life, and I had worked this thing out. I was, I was going to go to a, a private, prestigious university somewhere in the Chicago area. I was going to get married to someone who was really sweet and... <laughs> Why are you all laughing at that? Man, <laughs> she was kind of be olive skinned or darker and want to have at least eight kids because that's what I wanted. And um, I was going to go live in the Middle East and be a missionary there. I had it all figured out. And the way God led me was very different from what I've expected. You know, even I. I ended up going to KU, which most of you are like, man, that sure is different. And how would anyone expect that as what God could be in? But God's hand was on me, really, to lead me there in a way that the polishing of my life happened in a phenomenal way. But I was like, I've got to get out of this college town. I'm going to greener pastures, wider horizons. I ended up staying there for another five years after graduation and working with the church there. And then God brought me to Manhattan, which was like even less on my radar, like, no, that's not the glorious, glamorous life I'm called to. And, man, but God called me here. And then I, we moved away, and then he called us back. And my life has not, the details of how God has led me have not looked like what I thought they would look like. But let me tell you, they're so much better. Like, we do not know that many times what we imagine of what God is in is very different from how he actually leads us. In, in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, later on in this, this great book, we read, for my, God is speaking, and he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God's thoughts for us are not only bigger, but they're different. And sometimes what, what we think is big may actually be small. What we think is small may actually be big. Because God's ways are different. His thoughts are higher. 
And it's easier to see that for other people than for yourself. Because we're kind of like stuck in like, no, this is, what my, this is what is right. This is what God's doing. It's a God thing. But God's ways are higher. His, his thoughts are higher. And many times to come into the things he has for us, it means letting go. Like Sagar talked about repentance. Letting go of ideas we have that seem good, but they may, if, if, if we can't hear where God is leading us and let go of those, we'll miss out on the better, bigger things that he has for us. Um, you know, I can't tell you how many times if you read the stories or hear the stories, talk to people who, and who God has directed their life, so often it, they say something like this. They'll say, you know, I had said in my heart, I'll do anything but this. I'll do anything but this. Or God, yeah, I'll do this, but, but don't, don't make me do that, because that just sounds like death. Like, that's the one thing I'm so scared of, or feels, it's not me. And then guess what? They end up doing the one thing that they felt like they shouldn't do. And God was in that. And it's not always like that, but it's, it's just amazing how so often we're just off. Like, our thoughts are different than God's thoughts. And God wants us to be open to, the, to say, oh, maybe that's too small a thing. Maybe there's something hidden in that that, that God wants me to see. Back to William Carey, he, he said this. He said, I'm not afraid of failure. I'm afraid of succeeding at the things that don't matter. How true is that? It's so easy to just get on the slightly off path. I know at the CTG meeting, you talked about the shadow mission. Something, it's, it's maybe a good thing, but it's 10 degrees off from what God's path is for you. And, man, that, that scares me to stand before God at the end of my life and think, hey, I was successful. I did this and this and this. And God's like, well, that's not what I had for you. That, that's... That is, but, but the flip side is to say, yeah, yeah, I was able to hear and follow and do the things where you led me and follow me. It's so awesome. So how do we do this? To come into something bigger. I just want to leave us with, with how, how do we walk into this more? To come into something bigger, to, to go beyond our, our, small, our, our smaller ideas, is the first thing and the most important thing is we need to get a bigger God. And I love what Sagar said about that. I don't really have to add too much. But the biggest factor that will determine the size of your life is the size of your God. And the most limiting factor for our lives is the size of our God. It's, it's not that God gets bigger, but that our realization of how big he is gets bigger. And, you know, that may be, maybe for... For some of you in this room, maybe God has never become your God. And so that's the starting point. Say, God, I want you, the creator of the universe, the savior of the world, to be my God. I don't want to trust in myself or live for something else, but I want to live for you. For you, it may be that, that God has been your savior, but not your Lord. You need a bigger God. You need God to be not only your savior, the one who forgives your sins, but also the one who, who calls the shots the one who leads you. And there's a process of, of learning and renewing our minds. And that's what being a follower of Christ is all about, is getting in the Word and learning and worshiping and saying, oh God, this is who you are. This is your character. This is your faithfulness. Wow, God, you're bigger than I imagined. You're so much more good. 
and replacing our small thoughts with the true thoughts of who we are. So we got to get a bigger God. We got to get a bigger vision, too. I, a guy I know, he was um, grew up in the Berkeley area. I went to went or, or went to college at UC Berkeley, University of California, Berkeley, and he was really in uh, in a very interesting life. But at one point, he was he met a friend who was really good at playing pool. He was he would basically hustled his way through college, like earn money, won money off people playing pool and. My friend was like, this guy was the best pool player I've ever seen by far. And so one day he talked to his, his friend and said, hey, how did you get so good at playing pool? And his friend said, you know, really it, it was kind of a tragic thing happened because you think I'm good, but I never saw someone who was really good until it was too late. Like, there's a whole other level of playing pool, but I never was exposed to someone that good until my game was established. And by then it was too late to get to that higher level. But if I would have seen that at an earlier stage, I could have been much greater. And there's the power of vision of what you can see you can become. And many times, even as Christians, our, our idea of what God is all about, His vision for our life is, is so small. Many, many times it's the idea that, hey, God's, his, his vision for my life is to go to heaven when I die. And God's vision is not just for you to go to heaven when you die, but to bring his kingdom to the world. He wants to give us a vision for the kingdom of God. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. That's God's rule and reign. It's his ways coming into the whole world. What we read about in Isaiah, of the ends of the nations being transformed and God's ways filling every area of society. Education and families and the media and movies and whatever it is. God, God doing something so in, in those areas. His kingdom coming. His will being done. And the kingdom of God is, is the vision that will, will transform us. That will cause us to not live a, a too small of a life, but a big life. So we need a bigger vision. We need a bigger, we need a bigger God. We need a bigger vision. And then that leads to, it's connected to getting a bigger life. How do we come into something bigger? We need a bigger life. And, like, well, what do you mean by that? I thought it's God who, who brings these things about. And it is God who brings these things about. But that polishing process is so important. That many times we're concerned about what will I do? What will I accomplish? What will I experience? But the reality is, is that what we accomplish flows out of who we are. Who do you want to follow? It's not just based on what, how good they say they are or how much they can spout off, but it's the character of the person. That's what really has weight and something that, is trans, that people want to follow, that has influence. And so God is in the process of expanding us as people. I love the story of how when Jesus called his first disciples, he saw them, they were fishing, and he said, hey, come follow me. And I'll make you fish for people. I'll make you fishers of people. And it, it spoke, again, to that sense of destiny that they had. They'd always felt like there was something more for my life. And Jesus spoke to that. He said, hey, come follow me. I'll bring you into that. I'll make you a leader. I'll make you one who's able to fish for people. And so it says, they left everything. They left their nets, they left their families, and they went and followed him. And that was essential. But you know what? That was only the beginning. Because they didn't become 
the kind of people who could be, could be world changers overnight. There was a three-year process of walking with Jesus. And we see, as we read the Bible, I love it, because we see the, the polishing process. We see that they were getting in arguments with one another about who was greater. There was ambition. They had issues with anger. They had wacky theology. They had all sorts of issues. And Jesus is polishing them. He's expanding them. He's helping them become the people through whom he could do great things. And that's really the process of discipleship in that which we become the people that God has called us to be. And, you know, it's been key in my own life. It's, it's key for all of our lives that if, if we're going to become those kind of people to, to live a bigger life, to come into something bigger, it's all about God's word transforming us and those relationships shaping us in a powerful way. Um, yeah, we're going to be talking more over the next few weeks about how to do that. But, you know, one thing we, we, that kind of hits all three of these things, a bigger God, a, a bigger vision, becoming a bigger person, is we have development groups that are groups of, of usually two to five people that are in, intentional about the process of discipleship and learning to, to get together with other people and apply God's word to your life. And we use these kingdom living books as, as manuals. To, to help that process. And if you're like, man, I just want to jumpstart that, then you can go to the Welcome Center and talk to someone today. And we'd love to help you get connected in that process. So, man, I'm just, hey, I love this time of year. I love the start of the semester. There's a sense of, of kind of natural optimism. But I believe God wants us to have something more than just natural optimism. But a greater vision of God. What are, man, I don't want to be stuck in the things that I think that are big, but they're too small a thing. Because you have something better. You have something different. You have something bigger. And I want to pray for us and ask that God would help lead us into that. So let's pray together. Worship team, you can go ahead and come on up. We're going to worship God with a song after this. And before I pray, I just want to give you a chance. If you're here this morning and and as if you go ahead and bow your head and close your eyes. But if you're here and you're saying, you know, something you said spoke to me. I, I know God's speaking to me about something that my mind's been focused on. And God's saying, that's too small a thing. Maybe it's an idol. Maybe it's something you've been ho- looking to as a God or for, for fulfillment, for life. Maybe it's not an idol. Maybe it's a good thing. But God's saying, hey, that's too small a thing. But I want you to see my kingdom. Would you just go ahead and raise your hand? And I just, I just want to pray specifically for you if, if you're in that place and you want prayer for God to help you to see something bigger. Great. All right. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you that you're a bigger God and a better God than we can imagine. Lord, I pray that you would help all of us. Lord, to see the bigger vision of, of your calling and your kingdom. I pray specifically for those that have raised their hands this morning. Lord, I pray that you would be all over that process of of putting your finger on the things that you want to replace in our thinking, in our value system, and leading us. I pray for these individuals especially to, to lead them into something more. Help them to walk this out. Lord, we thank you for that. We trust you for this. In Jesus' name.